decides that enough is enough. That is the sound of success of the Seattle Sounders success. MOS Cup champions getting the second star and we welcome in to the studio Dave Maymoudis. Hello everyone. An exciting final. We're going to get into it. We're going to recap the entire season. Go over our favorite Sounders games from the regular season. We're not going to include the playoffs in that but we will include uh, the playoff goals, when we say what our goals of the year were. Uh, yeah, and we'll also go over who we expect to be back next year. But we got to get into this this game against... We got to get into the MLS Cup first. Sounders winning 3-1. to Would have liked to keep the shutout, but let's go over... Uh, each of the goals um, first. So the first goal, uh, Kelvin Neardom shot is redirected, and it looks like it was getting wide, but it was uh, blocked twice. Thoughts on this goal? Yeah, I think maybe he would have put it on frame. The first guy deflected it away from the goal. The second guy luckily deflected it back on the goal. So I think that's why it ended up getting credited as a Leardom goal rather than an own goal. Um you know, obviously lucky bounces, but if you hit the ball hard towards goal, that's when you get the lucky bounces. And you might remember that it was Justin uh, Morrow who missed the penalty in 2016, which let us win. And the second touch, which put it back on goal, um, was Justin Morrow. So, not having um, some very good cup finals against us. Um uh, we'll be clear about that. Uh, second goal, Victor Rodriguez would score. Nice little play with Ladero. Thoughts on this goal? Um, you know, great interchange between Ladero and Rodriguez, and a great strike by Rodriguez, getting it right between the outstretched feet of the two. Toronto Central defenders and right just brushing the fingertips of the goalkeeper. So an amazing uh, team and individual play, really. And then Raul Roy Diaz would score late in this game to really seal the game. Raul showing that he just wanted the ball more than the entire yeah, Toronto the, team. The defender is not strong enough here. And then Raul Roy Diaz just puts it in. 3-0 Sounders. Um, great go there. Toronto would get one back. Josie Altidore, who would play about 30 minutes of this game, would score right at the end in stoppage time. Um, leaving Toronto fans to say, what if he had started 
Were you surprised with how much he played wide? I mean, why didn't they start him considering he could go 30 minutes and he scored a goal? Uh, I mean, we're happy he didn't score. He, yeah, he I don't score. know. And you you don't know, obviously, how much Jovan Jones at the beginning softens the defense up for him and ends up making him look better at the end. Uh, that would be a good question for Spencer, why he decided to go that way. No, no, not Jones. I was talking about, um, oh, I might have said Jones, but I, I was saying um, Altidore, sorry. Altador is the one who scored. Okay, well, Altador obviously coming off a coming off an injury. Um, yeah, so they must not have felt he could do ninety minutes. But I agree with you. I'm not really sure why you don't start him at the beginning of the game. Um, you know, maybe you feel like he has an advantage coming in against tired defenders. But obviously, he's not going to outrun anybody. He's just going to you know drift to places and then out jump and out push people for the ball. So yeah, I'm. Happy they didn't, you know, do that successfully from the beginning of the game because the Sounders had been having some trouble uh, defending set pieces against other teams. So, yeah, nice that we only had to face Altidore at a time when he couldn't do much damage. Yeah, it was fun to uh, fun to also see Michael Bradley struggle. Um, and same with Omar Gonzalez, uh, the uh, former U.S. national team player. Uh, you can see him him struggle as well. Uh, MVP for the MLS Cup went to Victor Rodriguez. Thoughts on that? Well, you know, he really did. Originally, I thought, you know, does he really deserve that compared to somebody like Svensson when he only came in and played a, you know, a short part of the game. But he really did come and tip the balance in favor of the Sounders, who had just gone one up on a lucky goal. But once Victor Rodriguez came in, then the Sounders really firmly looked like the better team, which they hadn't done convincingly for the first 60 minutes. So you look at like what ESPN has been covering and what Emma is saying. A lot of people have been saying that Toronto played was playing better the entire game. Um, game. But then you look at this, this, uh, the stats, and yes, if you only look at possession... They had 65%. Um, but does possession win games? No, it does not. Uh, if you look at other stats like corners, Sa- Sounders 10 corners to 4 corners. Crosses was 23 to 22. Uh, Sounders only down 1. So really, you can't really call that dominating. Shots on target. Sounders 6, Toronto 5. Uh, tied on... Sh- Tied on shots. You look at Spencer's favorite uh, category, duels won. Sounders win that 60 to 41. Yep, so Tackles won 16 to, 16 to 7. Sounders win that. Toronto with a lot of possession, but not necessarily a lot of possession with purpose. Uh, the Sounders being a lot more direct and pushing towards goal more once they had the ball. And really, beside, and people would say, yeah, they didn't really have any any real chances. It was sort of like the LAFC game. Not really many real changes. Fry coming up a couple times, but right, Fry without a lot of work to do. Not a lot of chances for the four saves for in this game for Fry. Uh, make same uh, as Westberg had to make four saves against the Sounders. Uh, but I, I I think you're 
the not get, saying that Toronto dominated this game and saying that they deserve to win this game is is just wrong. Um, Sounders, Sounders, because they never gave them a clear opportunity and stayed stayed compact uh, and did what they've been doing the entire season with consistency. So it's how we des- deserved to be champions. Uh, for other other thoughts on the final, of course, we got to full stadium tifo. Uh, was very cool to see. Getting to see them raise the MLS Cup trophy at home, really fun. Seeing all the kids on the field, it it, it was a great atmosphere with the whole stadium open, breaking the Seahawks attendance record. What did what else did you think about? Just the MOS Cup atmosphere. Longest, longest um, it's ever taken us to get into the stadium. Yep. Lots sure. of lots of people. Um, we didn't even try to go get food at halftime. You know, just it seemed like the stadium infrastructure was a little overwhelmed. Obviously, they have that many for the Seahawks a lot of the times, but there are a lot more chances to uh, for people to line up for food and beer when they want to, as opposed to at halftime or before and, the game. And we got into the Seahawks game just a week before, uh, much much quicker than we got into this in this game. Um, yeah, but I don't think there were too many yeah. people left outside at kickoff. Yep. So everything went well. Uh, let's hope we can, you know, see a few more MLS cups at home. Yep. Uh, but I think the only thing that was disappointing about the atmosphere is, is MOS clearly uh, brought their package and um, and their right. their, so st- the, their stuff. The so the gold elevator fans were there in the there in the stands, but, but they were denied. But there is no elevator race. Denied the chance it was for wrong. a rematch. It I, I and I, honestly I think that if the gold elevator one then we were clear then that meant we were clearly going to win since it would mean it, it just means everyone's winning that day um so sad sad uh we'll see if next year the gold elevator can get onto the board okay we'll move on championship parade was on tuesday um it was not as good as the parade as in 2016, even though the rally was was more people. But most of the team was not there because they had already left on international duty. Right, so, so this was one of the downsides of getting MLS Cup out of the way early before the international break so the th- was that 11 Sounders players were off on international break and not even there at all for their parade. Yeah, so we had the people who were still there who played in the final were Fry, uh, Kihi, um, Fry, Kihi, and uh, Leo, no, Leo, I believe was Leo Rodriguez was there. On. No, Rodriguez was in town, but he didn't show up. I don't know. I don't know where he was. I believe actually. I think I think Leodam was. There. I think Leodam was there, but still, a little sad. Some of the vi- the prayers did send in videos, but um, lame turnout. Um. Uh, for the players, ECS also they did this year. They didn't let people walk behind the buses or walk with the parade. So ECS 
uh, met at the rally. Except there, there was like one group in front. Not sure if those were just like a few selective people from supporter groups. But uh, uh, that, uh, for the actual parade part, um, yeah, a little different from last year. But uh, it's fun. It's cool to see like Russell Wilson riding on the bus coming even coming back from a very dramatic Seahawks game the night before. Comes back and rides on the bus on Tuesday. Uh, fun to see that. As we look at how the lineup is looking for next season, we've seen some players already signing contracts. Svensson has said he wants to return, that he wants to retire in um, Sweden, so that's good. Christian Renan has signed a five-year deal, um, which is also good. It's looking like Brad Smith uh, will be returning back to England. He'll need to. It's take a pay cut if he wants to stay in Seattle since he's getting paid uh, he's getting paid a, a hefty amount um, so he might be leaving Victor Rodriguez wants to go back to Spain um, so it seems like he'll probably be on the way out um, Kim Kihi has been rumored linked to a team in the Middle East um and if he goes, that'd be interesting since then it seems like we could suddenly be uh, a little short at center back since uh, we'll have Javier Arrega, uh and we're not sure if Roman Torres will be with the team since he's also talked about going back to his to the team he was playing with um, before he came to the Sounders. Um, and then the only other center back we have is, uh, well, we have Abdul Salam and we have Jonathan Campbell. So if if those are the only two, then we're gonna bring in another center back. But if Kihi does go to the Middle East, then the team is probably going to pay the Sounders a hefty amount. Um, they have spent over they have spent uh, over fifty million on 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 players of his quality before. Um, so I don't expect it would be that. It'd probably be that much, but it would definitely be um, be uh, an amount that the Sounders could use uh, for someone else. Uh, we look at the people who were left available in the expansion draft. Uh, what do you think about... Who do you think we're most likely to lose, or do you think we're going to lose someone in the expansion draft? Um, I don't think that many of the Sounders' key pieces are available there. Um, you know, so who's available? Harry Ship, Will Bruin, um, Jordy Delem. No, Jordy Delem is not available. He he he, got he, he, he is saved. Okay. So you have, if you look at the people, the veteran players who are available, you have Will Bruin, who you think, who I'm thinking teams will be a little... Worried about since... Hesitant to take since, a chance on him coming off his injury. Yeah, since he's injured. And he's getting paid. And the Sounders are paying him um, um, an amount that a lot of teams um, would probably not want to pay him that much. Then there's Rodriguez, who wants to go back to Spain. There's Torres, who's talked about he wants to leave the country. Uh, then there's... yeah, And then... Um, so the, the, those are like the most, those are the people who are like, who would probably, you'd have to start. 
as you look at the other players who are available, um, Harry Ship could some gives some good depth off the bench. That's who MLS is predicting Nashville will pick in the fifth round. Um, so he could be gone. There's also Alex Radon. I think he's garbage. He's the new Mark Burtz, but I can see him getting... He he might get picked. Emmanuel Succini um, is available. It seemed like Sounder at heart was predicting that he was not able to be predict, that he was not able to be traded because of he, he just arrived, but that is not true. He could get picked. Um, he's young. So uh, he, him and Harry Ship are the two I, I think are most likely. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. We'll learn more about the Sounders' uh, situation for next year on Tuesday, whether they lose somebody in the expansion draft. Um, but it seems likely we'll have the core of the team back for next year. Which is good, since especially with CONCACAF Champions League, uh, again, our season starts very early. It starts in February. Uh, Do we know when those CONCACAF Championship games will be? Uh, I, I am not sure. I can find that out here in a second uh, as I check my notes uh, about that. Uh, Darlington Nagby has been announced that he is going back to Columbus. Thoughts on that move? Reuniting him with Caleb Porter and apparently also with his family. Uh, in the Ohio area, it's it's very it's um it's it's interesting. Uh, I, there's just so many players uh, who are who have come from Akron. I mean, uh, when Caleb Porter was coaching at Akron, uh, he was play he coached Nagby and he coached um, Zakuani, um, and there's a bunch of other Timbers players who were who went there at the same time. Uh, uh, it's it's uh, yeah, it's very um, v- very weird how many players. Of course, uh, also Yenlin coming out from there. Speaking of Yenlin, Yenlin has has uh, been in good form with the national team. National team winning four zero. Jordan Morris scoring the first goal. Four uh, one, unfortunately. Uh, four four Couldn't one. Yeah, keep the clean sheet uh, yep. like the Sounders. Yep, that's it. Yeah. Jordan Morris, yes, not only with that first opportunistic goal, but also a nice assist on the second goal uh, that pretty much he created with a good run in behind the defense. Uh, Canada was uh, Canada just not looking very different from uh, from the game in October. Uh, round of 60, yeah, so the first leg of the CONCACAF Champions League uh, is... 18th, 20th of February, um, with the second leg being 25th, 27th. So the Sanders, uh, I believe, will be will will get the second leg because okay because they're second in, leg at home. You're yeah, saying, they'll get the second leg at home. And I've heard that the opening the day form. of the MLS season is going to be the 29th of February. I don't know if the Sanders will play then. Yeah, but um, yeah, so it's gonna be a, a quick turnaround. Of course, last year it seemed like we benefited a little bit from not worrying about that. But um, if we can, uh, if we could uh, make a run in the Champions League and be the first MLS team to qualify for the FIFA Club World Cup, that would be so awesome. Um, 
definitely would be super, super awesome. Uh, we look at uh, just other national team team. Uh, one of the plays that we were looking at um, that that we looked at, which did not result in a goal, but that you don't see a lot in the pros, was uh, a back pass to the keeper, um, which resulted in an indirect free kick. Or actually, uh, not really even a back pass, just. Uh, you know, somebody juggled it to their head and and, and which uh, you can't it do. It's it's in the laws of the game. You cannot juggle the ball um, to head it back. The referee knows. Canada clearly doesn't know because you can see all the players running at him, like saying that he headed it. Uh, this is correct. This is definitely the right call. I was it's the the ESPN commentators clearly thought that it would, that was a penalty, but you can really see that. The, that an earlier right, foul was no, way outside the no box. No VAR for the for the game in general, but still it was a little strange that the commentators didn't look at any replays to notice yeah. how far outside the box that foul was. Uh, yeah. The foul could have easily been called, but again with no VAR, uh, no easy way for the referee to go back. He was looking away from the trip when it happened. Yeah, do you think CONCACAF will, will add VAR soon since, I mean, so many leagues are adding it. I don't really know how much infrastructure it has. I know that, you know, some of the um, stadiums that we go to as part of the World Cup qualifying are pretty rough. So I don't know if they have the sufficient facilities for VAR to be available. And I could see how they wouldn't want to allow it in some stadiums if it couldn't be in every stadium. What do you think of the new CONCACAF CONCACAF qualifying structure? Since now it's all based on... FIFA ranking, so it's nice for the uh, for the U.S. since it means we don't have to like struggle to get into the hex. But if you're a small country, it like pretty much stops you from being able to make a run. Um, if you're someone like uh, Saint Vincent and the Grenadines, your hopes of making it to a World Cup are like slim to none now because you now. Even if you, like, win all your games against, in important games, it's, like, nearly, it's, like, very impossible that you'll get into the top six. Well, those, so what will happen is those last, the the 32 teams that aren't in the top six basically play off to choose one of those teams who then plays off against the fourth place in the hexagonal to then have a further playoff against, um... Against the Australia. Asian, well, not Australia. It's from the it Asian Asia? Confederation. Yeah. So anyway, a complicated system, and I agree with you that I don't really like the the FIFA rankings playing such a strong um, role in what happens. Though, of course, any tournament, I guess, has seeding, and there has to be some way to do seeding. And so maybe ca- that's not really escapable. But it is. It does seem like it makes more sense to. And this is all going to have to change when the uh, World Cup. Teams changes from 32 to 48 um, in 2026. Right, so it's I guess it's good that no one really loves this format because we're not going to have it for very long. Yeah. Uh, do you want Canada in the hexagonal? Would you? They're fi- fighting to hang on to that sixth spot. Uh, 
hope they make it or hope I, they get I do hope they make it. I mean, partially just for the good of the U.S. men's national team, which I think, you know, hasn't hasn't done as well when traveling to some of the more southern CONCACAF countries. So I think it's, you know, basically an easier path for the U.S. team for our own qualification to go to Canada rather than uh, Trinidad and Tobago or Panama, where we've had a tough time playing. Um, but, you know, really what I'm hoping is that we'll see more games like today out of the U.S. men's national team and fewer games like the last game against Canada. You know, if the U.S. can stay focused and take care of business, um, you know, given that we have probably more than half of the people in the entire region, um, you know, we should have an easier time coming out of qualification than we seem to have had lately. So the U.S. is still looking to uh, make it into the finals of the CONCACAF Nations League, which will be next June, which is also the time where that hexagonal um, uh, teams will be solidified. The U.S. team must beat Cuba uh, again. Um, I think they have to win by something like three goals. Or but they beat Cuba by like seven before. So it should be pretty easy. They're playing in the Cayman Islands. Um, uh, that game, that game's on Tuesday. We'll be paying attention to that. Okay, so going back to the Sounders, what is your 2019 Sounders goal of the year? Um, I thought about this. I think I'm going to have to choose uh, Victor Rodriguez's goal in the final. Uh, possibly sort of too easy a choice, but, you know, if you combine both the uh, skill he showed there and the importance of that moment, I would choose that. I guess the one other possibility, and pardon me if this was about to be what you chose, was Rui Diaz's goal that we really thought should have come up in the goal of the year voting. Um, where he, uh, you know, juggled the ball to himself and then, uh, and then scored. Um, that was just an amazing uh, individual effort. But the, you know, final goal obviously has just that much more significance to the overall season for the Sounders. The best goal of the of the Sounders was the uh, the Raul Ruiz goal. However, my goal of the year is actually one that Jordan Morris scored. It's the goal that he scored late against San Jose. The goal that puts the Sounders in prime position to remain in, to get second place in the West, which helped us host two games, which was massive in the playoffs um, to have, be at home and have that home support. And, um, and it helped us get over the line um, and be high so we could have the chance at, ho at hosting an MOS Cup. But it's just so fun to watch this goal because the defender has, like, he has maybe like 10 yards on Morris and then Morris just, like, blasts past him and then just puts it over the keeper. Um, and the Sounders won the game 1-0. Um, so that was a great goal. Um just love watching Morris play. Um, so happy, so fun to watch. Uh, that is my sound goal of the year. And now game of the year. We're not ex excluding the playoffs because because uh, I mean, it won that. Well, if we have the playoffs, which playoff game was better? The game against LA 
FC or the uh, against Toronto? LAFC, LAFC or Toronto? Sorry, ask that again. LAFC or Toronto? Which MO? We're 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 gonna say what our favorite regular season game of the year is, but between LAFC, the LFC playoff game and the Toronto game, which game was better? Well, I mean, obviously, seeing the Toronto game in person was an amazing experience, but I think the Sounders' performance against LAFC was overall better. Um, partially just because I they, would agree with that. they really did dominate the game from start to finish. They didn't seem like they were quite as uh, pressed as hard as Toronto did. And, you know, again, just compared to expectations of that game, it was great to see them be able to uh, come out and take the game right to LAFC. Uh, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. LAFC was such a uh, such a, an amazing game. It was just... Um, Controlled the game. Uh, looked so good. LFC, who have been unstoppable this year, just couldn't find answers. Only had one real chance uh, besides the goal they scored. Uh, so that was the best playoff game. But regular season game, what would you say for the regular season game? You got, a, you got some LA Galaxy games that were fun. Uh, we have the game against Atlanta. We have that game against San Jose. What are you saying? Or Minnesota. Minnesota, last game, Roman Torres scoring. Yeah, maybe those last San Jose or Minnesota games when the Sounders, you know, pulled off the first of the improbable things which led them to uh, being able to play a cup final at home. But to be honest, the playoffs have sort of wiped all the memory of that from my mind, even though uh, it wasn't that long ago. Okay. I, I'm... 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 Tr- I really... Of course, we also won the Cascadia Cup uh, this year um, in Portland. Uh, I I might say that game. That of course, Portland was really struggling at home, but when you beat your rivals, it's huge. That game and the game against Atlanta, which was just a little bit before them, were huge, huge games. Um, uh, for. Uh, for the Sounders, they gave us a whole lot of momentum. Um, same thing with the San Jose game. Um, big goals. Um, changing the Sounders' momentum. Well, it's been a great season uh, for the Sounders. We'll be back in February. Uh, kicking off uh, our... Uh, it's going to be... We started this in in 2015. This is our 124th episode. Uh, Lots of guests. Thanks for sticking with us. Um, We'll we'll be going in uh, to our sixth season. uh, Talking about the Sounders. And in 2020, remember to keep your scarves up. (laughs) 